0: Once again, and welcome back to another edition of Robin's Ramblings, the podcast. First, I would like to give a huge thanks to Ben Martin and Joyful Awe Music, who put together my new jingle, So Profesh. Thank you, Benny. I really appreciate it. It Sounds awesome. I love it. For today's episode, I'm kind of going with a musical theme today in honor of this coming Sunday's annual IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. may seem a little disjointed if you're not overly familiar with the world of dementia, so bear with me. Let's backtrack a little bit first. I want to talk about my dad. My dad loves music. He was coming of age in the 50s, so like early Beatles, Beach Boys, uh, that sort of genre of music, but also classical Such a classical fan. Bach, Beethoven, Vivaldi, all the greats, barely tolerated Mozart, mainly just to bug me a little, I think. But uh, our parents instilled in us, my sister and I, this love of music Uh, from a very early age, made sure we took music lessons. We took piano lessons. I played flute. My sister plays cello. uh, And we started going to Toronto Symphony kids concerts from a very young age, making sure that we had culture and this love of classical music that my parents had. Fast forward to 2003. My dad was diagnosed with what was called mild cognitive disorder, which is essentially early dementia. Dementia is a brutal disease, absolutely brutal. It goes on breaking your heart over and over and over and over again for years. Someone once referred to it as the longest mourning period of all time, and it's insane it is so hard on the the people suffering from it and their families and their caregivers and everyone in that circle but one of my dad's saving graces and really a saving grace for those who have been caring for him all these years has been music Uh, dementia on occasion makes its victims somewhat aggressive not always my grandfather also suffered from dementia and he was the most passive loving kind man in his final years. uh, My dad, not one of the lucky ones. Um, His confusion and memory loss frustrated him to no end. Uh, It was embarrassing for him. It made him angry. Sometimes as the disease progressed, a little violent, but over time, my mom and my dad's caregivers uh, in the long-term care home where he now lives came to realize that one of the easiest ways to soothe him was through music. So uh, dad has been in long-term care for seven years now, but thanks to the Alzheimer's Society in Toronto, my dad has an iPod that he's had for the last several years that is always playing classical music, especially in these days, in the times of the pandemic, when he can't have any outside visitors. If he has a bad day, he's not necessarily cooperating with the staff in the long-term care home. Chances are it's because somebody forgot to turn his music on and all he needs he's got a little radio in his room He's also got his iPod with the headphones so all he needs is just that music in the background and uh, I believe it was Congreve who once said music hath charms to soothe the savage breast and it is so true that it, all it takes is a couple of strains of Bach and my dad's hands that begin to relax he gets a bit of a smile on his face and it just calms him So many of his memories have been lost in the fog of dementia, but my dad's love of music never fades. And so I wanted to find out a little more about how music is used to help people like my dad and really anyone from cradle to grave. And in between, I've managed to track down my friend, Heather Perrin Sarson, who just happens to be a music therapist. She currently works at the Children's Treatment Center in Chatham, Kent using music with her clients there and has also worked uh, in the past with the Alzheimer's Society and with dementia patients. So Heather, give me a little background on exactly what it is that a music therapist does?
1: So a music therapist uses uh, music to try to achieve non-musical goals. So depending on the population that I would be working with uh, and the goal areas that that person might have, um, the music therapist would assess, uh, talk to other professionals, um, assess where the client was at, uh, gather, you know, like a history on that individual, uh, and work to develop uh, sessions that would focus on goals using uh, the medium being music.
0: Right, so when you are um, using music, how, how is it that music is able to affect someone's behavior or their moods or their patterns like that?
1: Well, for example, somebody with, um, that has Alzheimer's disease, um, the musical part of the, uh, the brain Um, which is uh, the prefrontal cortex to get to be exact, um, which affects music, memory, and um, emotion, seems to be unaffected by the Alzheimer's disease. So this is in fact been proven that um, this part of the brain is usually the last part to atrophy in the brain. So that when music is present, um, there's lots of neurons that are still firing, Um, and that part it just seems to be protected so that we see kind of the emotional responses um, that we see uh, with people with alzheimer's Um, the other part of that the other piece of that would be that autonomic nervous system kind of takes over so music affects that in which you know if listening to something that's calming your heart rate goes down your respirations go down therefore you have an overall relaxation if to kind of take into account so with somebody with, with, uh, with Alzheimer's, um, just the notion that when that music is played, that part of the autonomic or the automatic part of uh, your brain and your system uh, kicks in and provides those responses without actually having to think
0: about it. Yeah. So when you first meet, you said that, you know, you do like a case study, basically, when you first meet a client, how do you know what kind of music is going to have different effects? Like when you're looking to calm someone down and um, just sort of get them in a more relaxed state, how do you know what's going to work?
1: So with music and especially with Alzheimer's, we usually look um, to go back in history uh, just because their memory is affected. So we might uh, talk to um, talk to their kids and see kind of what music maybe was played at their wedding or what music you know, was, was played at their kid's wedding or um, just the era of music that they listened to and the kinds of music that they listened to while they were in high school or while they were in college and look at those different um, uh, kind of uh, eras of music I guess you could say. Um, those parts and those pieces kind of stick in our brains so for example, that's why sometimes you have this aha moment when you hear a piece of music and you think, oh, one minute that was from, you know, so your brain kind of links those uh, that music up with that piece of memory.
0: Right. Yeah. I've heard the phrase um, musical memory being like almost the same as a muscle memory that once it's mm-hmm. it's tied to something that's repetitive, that it sort of clicks right in. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when I've... <laughs> This also goes back to my own daughter. When she was in the hospital, she was a preemie. And I heard all these stories of music therapists being allowed into certain hospitals to play live music. And you see the same in retirement homes that um, they'll have musicians and singers come in for a live performance. Is there a difference between live music and recorded music when it comes to that music memory? Um, Yeah, so for example,
1: live music, you have somebody um, that you're watching. Um, make that music and somebody that's present with you in the room while you're watching that. So all of your senses are being kind of heightened and alerted. So you, your vision is being um, used and your hearing is being used and you're watching that person um, as they sing. Um, if it's a sad song, they might look like they're sad. If it's a happy song and an upbeat song, you're using all of your senses in order to kind of gain that information that you need. Goes into your body, goes into your brain, and out pops, you know, your response type thing. Um, when I was doing my internship out at the regional center. Um, which is was a residential setting, um, out just out by the lake. Um, it's kind of south of Blenheim or west of Blenheim, I guess you could say. Um, my research project was actually um, at the end. We had to kind of present a research project, which was on the effects that we saw, which was live uh, music versus recorded music. And there was definitely a heightened response in those uh, clients when they did hear live music versus when a piece of music was just played um, so it really increases the engagement makes it just a more meaningful experience
0: yeah and I think that for in terms of the memories associated with music like I know if I hear a song that I've heard performed at a concert or that you know that I've played myself that it seems to have a much deeper connection Mm-hmm.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah so do you have any I mean I know obviously with client privilege, you can't get too deep into into Mm -hmm. details of confidentiality and stuff. But do you have any stories of a time when you used music with a client that's had sort of a a really special connection or maybe even an unexpected connection with someone? Yeah,
1: actually. um, About 10 years ago, I traveled to Japan um, with a group study exchange through Rotary. Um, While we were in Japan, we visited a few uh, nursing homes. And I think we were only there probably for about... I think for about 10 days, so relatively kind of new to, um, you know, the whole culture and kind of we were in a state of culture shock, I think, still at that time as well. Um, but in the nurse home they kept saying to me you sing you sing and I said sure I can sing you know but I can't sing any Japanese songs I could I could do my presentation in Japanese but I could I did not know any Japanese songs that I could sing with good you know understanding and whatnot so but they kept saying you sing you sing English and I'm like okay so there was probably a group of I don't know i would i want to say at least 20 clients that were all in their room they were all doing i think they were doing their exercises so they were just finishing up doing their exercises and whatnot and they kept saying you sing you sing and i said okay i'm gonna sing here it goes i just pulled the song out of my hat i pulled you are my sunshine hmm. out of my hat not expecting to get any kind of response i'm singing it in english there's no response but to our surprise and to everyone's surprise There were so many, I would say 15 out of 20, joined me in that in English because it was a song that you first learned when you were in preschool in the Japanese culture. So when they teach English, You Are My Sunshine, Twinkle, Twinkle, Row, Row, those are all songs that they teach in English when they were younger. So it was quite amazing to look around the room at all these people with their eyes lit up and st- all singing in English. So, I mean, music at that moment brought everyone together. It broke down all the language barriers, cultural barriers, whatever. And they were just so excited that they were to join. And I was excited that I was able to join them in that moment as well. Yeah. So that was one the, probably the highlights of going to Japan for me was that moment was just, will stand out forever.
0: That's incredible. Um,
1: lots of other moments, too. I've had lots of other moments at the Alzheimer's Society. Um, you know, there's lots of times when you just have to stand back and watch what is happening and watch that everybody that's sitting in the circle, all of their toes are tapping. And they're tapping to the beat, and they're tapping to the rhythm. Whether or not years ago they had no rhythm and people say, oh, I can't sing and whatnot, it just seems like all of that goes aside. Um, I think you know they're not thinking. Oh, I can't sing. I don't have any rhythm. You know those things are gone. But you can just see everybody moving to the beat, and it's pretty. It's pretty something to see um, when that kind of thing does happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a. Uh, it's crazy the power that it has mm-hmm. and the, the lasting power for sure. Yeah, well, there was once that there was a lady that um, was quite elderly,
1: and during a hello song, she wasn't even able to turn. To the person on her left or her right to say hi or shake hands or do high fives. Um, but when it came time to sing her favorite song, which um, was Amazing Grace, she knew that song left, right, upside down, backwards. Every single verse was memorized and she could sing it in tune. Um, you know, as soon as that song ended, it was like a blind kind of kind of came down and she, you know, regressed and she kind of went into herself and, you know, it wasn't until, you know, the next popular song or the, the song that she could recognize that she was able to kind of come out and look bright again and, and whatnot. But, you know, it was just like a light switch off and on with her with music.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, it's um my grandfather was also a, a Alzheimer's sufferer. And I remember the hearing my mom tell me about some times when uh, they would play his favorite records. And it was just, you know, he wasn't really with it and was sort of, you know, gazing off into the sunset. And but then the Mm -hmm. eyes sort of snap into focus. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I know that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible, the power, it's really cool to see. And and as someone who does it as a profession, it must be so special to be part of that
1: Yes, for sure. I mean, typically, I work with um, uh, kids in Mm -hmm. pediatrics. Um, So when I was approached by the Alzheimer's Society, I thought, well, I was quite honest with and said, you know, I had done a placement in school, but had not. But, you know, looking back, it was probably the best experience. And one of the best experiences was to to work with that, uh, that
0: population. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time and all your your knowledge, Ooh. Heather. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. So before I go, I wanted to share another story. Um, those who have read my blog in the past uh, have read this one uh, that I wrote just after Christmas time uh, about a moment I had with my dad. Um, so he's non-communicative. He's confined to a wheelchair. We do get the odd smile or smirk sometimes, a couple of mumbled words. My mum can have a little more, not necessarily conversation, but communication with him that those of us who don't see him every day don't necessarily get. But music is one of those things that can still be used to reach through to him. So just before Christmas, before I went home to visit, uh, I saw a new trailer for the new Top Gun movie, which is now coming out next year, sometime. And it made me think of my dad. He used to love Top Gun. Not the whole movie, mind you. No, no, he would play the first five minutes of the DVD, it might even have been a VHS at that point, I don't know, but those first five minutes, the opening scene over and over with the volume cranked as loud as it could go. So you've got the, you know, the music starting to go and the jets rumbling in the background, shaking the windows of our house. Partly he did it just so that uh, it would bother us, but he just loved that sound. Danger zone, blaring for the entire neighborhood to hear. (laughs) But So I saw this trailer and I thought, huh, if there's one thing that might reach to my dad, it might be this. So I went home over Christmas, thought I'd try a little experiment. So we're sitting in the cafeteria of the nursing home. Uh, My mom had brought my dad in his wheelchair down to have a coffee while the the rest of my family and I sat around and talked and caught up. And so I loaded up the opening scene of Top Gun on my phone, turned up the volume for as loud as I could, given that we're in the cafeteria in a public place. Um, and at first there was nothing, it's just, you know, the music played and he just sort of sat there and stared off into space as he does. And then I played it again. And then I turned it up a little. And then his brow sort of furrowed a little bit and his eyes shifted ever so slightly. And I moved the phone just so that he could, it was within his line of sight. And he looked at it and I mean, he looked at it. His eyes focused on that phone in a way that I have not seen in years. And then just this very hint of a smile, just the corners of his mouth twitching a little bit as some distant memory clicks into place. And even my husband who was sitting across the table and doesn't get to see, none of us get to see my dad all that often. But, uh, and he said that even he noticed that my dad was suddenly present and then the video was done, and we just sat, and I held his hand, and he held my hand. It wasn't just that his hand was sitting on mine. And I made eye contact with him, got a few more smiles, a couple of chuckles, and it was magical. And for a couple of moments, I got to see my dad and have him see me, and it was all thanks to the power of music. So this Sunday, as I mentioned off the top of the show, is the annual IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. Uh, It's a virtual walk this year since we can't actually hold an event. But uh, if you can, I hope that you will find a way to support this very worthy cause and the work that they do with people like my dad. Thanks so much for listening. Much love to everyone. We'll talk again soon.